David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Another edition of Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Today we are without David Spada, who says he's stuck in traffic, although it's such a nice day here in Chicago. Something tells me he may be on the driving range hitting a few golf balls between courthouse appearances. Anyway, we have a wonderful show today. We have golf legend Louise Suggs. We have baseball great Rocky Calavito. But more than that, in studio, we have Nancy Faust, the former organist for the Chicago White Sox for, a, was it a zillion years? Just a billion. Just a billion. No, it was actually 41 seasons. And it started? 1970 was my first year. When you were about three. Okay. <laughs> Add 20 to that. <laughs> <laughs> when I was growing up, organists uh, were a fairly... Big deal at ballparks. I grew up in St. Louis. Joe Garagiola's wife, Audrey, was, was the organist there. And, you know, she'd play the Mexican hat dance and things like that. How did you get into the wonderful world of playing organs? I assume it started young? It did. In fact, when I was about four years old, my parents bought an organ. My mother, being a musician, branched out from a piano. She played a lot, of, did a lot of commercial work in Chicago to organ because that was becoming such a popular instrument. One thing great about it is that it only takes one to sound quite full, un- unlike other instruments that you right. have to need two or three together. So they bought an organ when I was about uh, four years old, and it captured my fancy. And I was able to pick up simple tunes just by ear, and they realized that, encouraged me, reinforced that little ability that I had, and I just stayed with it. Do you take lessons? <laughs> I didn't take lessons, but my mother, being a musician, was there to help me. And because I had a good ear, it was a lot of it was just kind of done on my own, things that I heard I just try to emulate. <laughs> Can you play the piano? I can play the piano, but the technique is different, and for me, organ is a lot easier. Uh, the piano, you have to just keep moving all the time with both hands. Where the organ, you can have a lazy left hand, and you use your foot a lot for the bass. So it's a different style, more suited to what I'm able to do. Do you ever play one of those uh, calliope-like circus organs and things yeah, like that? Yeah, I have, or I'll use a stop, like a calliope stop on my synthesizer, and it will sound like a calliope. Okay. That was always, the, I thought, the coolest <laughs> sound you could get out of one musical instrument. Yeah, that is pretty cool. It makes you think of a circus or a parade, I guess. Yeah. Now, just because you play an organ, I assume that doesn't mean you go immediately playing in a ballpark. Do you play in churches or events or things like that? No, but when I was a child, because I was pretty good, I would do um, some demonstrating for Hammond organ, and I was always touted as 
the child that could play an organ, so buy one for your kids. Well, and when I, when I would do these performances, there would also be an adult that played really well, and that adult happened to be Shea Torrent, who at the time was the organist for the Chicago White Sox. So we'd be, we'd be on the same stage together. He would be the adult great organist, and I'd be the kid that could do pretty well. And, um, so I knew Shea as the organist for the White Sox, though I never aspired to, to do what he did. I never, I wasn't sports oriented anyhow. But I did meet him, and um, so that's kind of my background is that I would perform, but I I played um, more commercial-type music, nothing for church, because a church would require reading, I think reading classical music, okay. and I was never a good reader. But um, I did make some performances as a child on some shows, such as Morris B. Sachs Amateur Hour, which was a Chicago... Not Ted Mack? No, Morris B. Sachs and Arthur Godfrey out of, out of New York when I was 10. You were on the Arthur Godfrey show? Yeah. What was and, that like? Uh, well, that was exciting because it was my first ever plane ride, you know, out to uh, to New York. And I was able to bring a girlfriend w- along because she was the talent scout. So my father and I and my girlfriend's mother and her all went out to New York together, and it was quite exciting. First time in New York. So you had your own little posse there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before they had posses. Right. What was Arthur Godfrey like? I just remember from watching him on TV as a kid. Really only talked to him when I was actually on the show with him, so and I was only ten years old. I was probably half unconscious, so um but I just enjoyed the whole experience. And what he did, he had a weekly show and then the winner of that talent show would stay on the, for the whole week and be on the show every morning on his daily show. But because we were all kids, this was the Christmas special, he kept us all there for the week. So it was quite That's an eventful week. His sidekick, Julius LaRosa, sound right? Uh, maybe on the radio, but this okay. was a TV show and there no. was no sidekick. But I understand that he, um, that was one of his uh, finds was Julius LaRosa. Okay. Yeah. And one of his other finds was, was <laughs> you. So you segue from that. Oh, and you move along the ranks? I did. Well, I filled in for my mother, who often uh, played for conventions and dinners when live music was king in Chicago. If My mother wasn't able to make two jobs, and I was in school, but I could play all the same music, so I'd perform for, or I'd just play background music for uh, receptions and conventions and dinners or whatever, a lot of hotel work. And uh, one of the engagements that she didn't make was... Uh, to play for something called uh, something where all the management from sports teams attended, and so I filled in. I, I did the job, and at that time I met um, Stu Holcomb, who was then the general manager of the White Sox. And I found, and he talked to me then, and he said, "Oh, you're doing a good job. You ever think of playing at a ball game?" No, but I did follow up then. I said, "You know, I yeah, I'm re- I that this would interest me." And so then, uh, within the year, he said, "The job's yours." Never auditioned or anything. But what I didn't tell him was that I really had only attended one game my whole life. I knew nothing about baseball, but I knew I could play anything. So if somebody just told me what to play, I could do it. You could just hear the tune in your head? Absolutely. And you can transfer that to the keyboard? Yeah, if I know the tune, I can play it. So. How about if you don't know the tune? Then I have to listen <laughs> to it a lot to get it in my head. Okay, there's, yeah. there's no quick remedy to any no. of that. No, and that's the biggest challenge now about learning new songs, because I've never heard them. I wasn't listening to them all my life, so they're just not hardwired. So I have to listen to it quite a few times, and I'll listen to a few measures at a time and analyze it. So Call Me Maybe comes along. Yeah, I do that. And and 
How many times do you have to hear that in your head? You know, it's not even a matter of how many times, but it's a matter of the time span in which you hear it. If I heard it five times over a month, I'd probably get in my head, but otherwise I have to learn it. I'd have to listen to it 50 times in five days. Just, to, it, I don't know. It's just something about the time as opposed to the number of times. So did you kick out this guy who was the organist? Previously, or? I don't know a lot about him. Well, the fellow who I did the, the um, shows with when I was a child, who Shea Torrent, right. who played for the White Sox then, he moved on to, to Anaheim and played for the Angels for many years. Well, we all move on to the Angels at some <laughs> point, don't we? And if, as a matter of fact, he moved on again to the Angels. <laughs> so when he moved on to the Angels, another, another interim organist was hired, okay. and I followed that organist, and I never really knew him. Okay. But I do know that when I started, the organ was located in Centerfield Bleachers, and I remember a petition being circulated, and somebody said, do you know what that's for? They don't think a woman belongs here. <laughs> so I remember being all freaked out and saying to Stu, oh, I understand there's a petition being circulated, and he said, ah, oh, don't worry, you know, he always made me feel good about things. Were you accepted or not accepted because of your gender? Well, the good thing about my first year was that the attendance was so low <laughs> that there weren't a lot of people that could not accept me. <laughs> it wasn't your fault for the low attendance. No, but it was the lowest ever, and it was less than 500000 for the season. Wow. It was 1970, and it wasn't until 1972 with Harry and Dick Allen, things turned around. Okay. But how great to be, have been there then. And then in 1972, when things turned around, Stu moved me from Centerfield Bleachers, which I was out there kind of by myself, right behind home plate to a wonderful spot. And um, there I was much more ho- high profile. I had the feedback of so many helpers, all those fans that could you know, enlighten me as to good songs for players. And I really had a whole village helping me. Now, when they hired you, did they tell you what to do? Um, Stu, the, on my first day, gave me a list of ball players, and he followed by each player's state. Um, like, was it Bart Johnson or born in California? So I'd, I just played their state song when they'd come up to bat. Where Wait, were you born, Elliot? I was born in St. Louis. Does I'd my... have to play um, Meet Me in St. Louis for you okay. or something like that. Or Missouri Waltz. It, it's gotten a lot more creative over the years. Ball players have their own tunes. Well, yeah. When, when did all that start? I think that started with the advent of technology, uh, you know, DJs that had a thousand songs at their fingertips um, and able to play the song that a ball player wanted to hear just like he hears it on the radio. And it, it had, the, time, the turnaround for me came when my boss at the time, oh, 15 years or so ago, said, you know, the... Cleveland Indians are winning, you know, and we're not. And those players hear the song they want to hear when they come up to bat. So I think we're going to make a change here. You play for the visiting players, play whatever you want for them, and we're going to have our players request songs, and that will cause them to work, you know, to perform their best. Do you ever play a song for a player and the player look up at you or anything like that? No. I just remember that once the DJ started playing, once he played like a polka, and I think Frank Thomas didn't like that. And because they laughed, I could hear over the headset they were going, oh, you don't play a polka for Frank Thomas. I was going to say, I would love to see Frank Thomas polka. But I would like to say that when I started and I played uh, songs for players, it it wasn't what they wanted to hear. It was more what I thought the fans could get a chuckle out of relating a song to a player based on the trait or their number or something that rhymed with their name. 
Um, so it, the focus was a little different. And I don't think players paid that much attention to what I was playing. But once you say to them, what do you want to hear, suddenly their focus is uh, on that as well as their performance. You recently played at the Chicago Baseball Museum event honoring Dick Allen and the 1972 White Sox. What was Dick Allen's song? I used to play Jesus Christ Superstar for him, and miraculously, he'd do well, you know, so it's like, ah, you know, is it the music? Not really, but he was quite a talent. He never walked on water, did he? He could have. You think so? Yeah. He's that great. I think uh, if you'd ask me the most memorable player, it would have to be Dick Allen, because he just walked with such confidence, charisma, and... He's just he, his own person. He looked like he still could uh, swing the bat today. He sure did. It yeah. was a thrill, and he was really a gracious fellow. And okay. like to see him in the Hall of Fame. I guess it's the purpose of the... Part of the reason of all that. He's yeah. uh, certainly worthy of consideration. Bill Melton? What was Belton Bill Melton? Well, I just knew he was a home run qu- king, and he was awfully good looking, and all the girls liked him. And well, I remember there was a Chicago Tribune magazine <laughs> spread of uh, of the two of you. Yeah, and I should know him because of that. No, I didn't. But the, actually, the Tribune magazine spread uh, was a cover of the Sunday Tribune magazine, and Bill Melton and Wilbur Wood, two high profile players at the time, were holding me, and I was kind of falling down. Well, and I had a, a dress. There's, a, there's this good looking blonde on the cover. Mind you, this was 1972. But my dress was down here, and it was provided to me. They just said, put this on. But what I do remember was that Bill um, Wilbur Wood thought that this pose was terribly inappropriate for baseball. So he told Stu Holcomb, my boss, I'd, you better reconsider putting, you know, letting that go public. And making me, and I felt just horrible, you know, that it took a ball player to put me in my place because of my l- low standards. But they put the magazine together anyhow. And it, everybody lived. And there's another thing that Stu just supported me through. So what if you're a little objectified, right? Yeah, I, now today it would be mild, but in those days. Well, I was going to say, times have changed, haven't absolutely. they? Absolutely. What was your favorite tune to play? Or did you have one? No, I think my favorite tunes are usually the ones that I feel are the most clever for players. And all, in terms of that, it's like when you get a new player, like that player named Sam, and he'd come up to me and oh, there's fish songs. I can play Jaws and Under the <laughs> Sea, Charlie the Tuna, all that Roll, Roll, Roll Your Boat or Don't Rock the Boat Baby. So, I mean, to me, the best songs or the best players are the ones that give me a lot of material. And actually, in the, and as far as my favorite songs, it's usually the ones that I'm working on right now, and I've just completed. It's just such a, a rush of satisfaction that you can learn a new song, put it all together, and it sounds pretty good. Now, you're still playing the organ at baseball games, just not at White Sox games. Kane County Cougar games on Sundays when they're at home. That's correct. And I yeah. believe July 15th. You will be playing? Well, that's the next game. Yeah, this so, Sunday. I'm playing for all their see, I Sunday can look at games. a calendar and figure that out on a good day. <laughs> And, in fact, I did receive a call by asking me to play there next year as well. So I think I'll be back next year. And I've really enjoyed it. It affords me an opportunity to play complete songs. Everybody's friendly. And um, it, it gives me a reason to keep playing, which I, I have to admit I missed. Okay. And you still play at events. You're available for, I'm available. for functions, <laughs> wedding, bar mitzvahs, funerals. Sports theme parties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the funerals. Okay. Then. <laughs> I was going to say. Don't want to wake the dead, you know. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, goodbye. That, that wouldn't so. work there? Maybe a wedding, but no. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Can you play na, 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 hey, hey, goodbye in your sleep? Probably. I've done it quite a bit. Um, in fact, Mercury Records presented me with a gold record in a pregame ceremony for that song because 
after the whites after we played it at the ball game and it took off so well and it was so uncanny to hear fans sing along to something other than take me out to the ball game and it just made an impact and so anyhow uh other teams would taunt us with it after that when we'd go to other parks. So Mercury Records re-released the song, and that's when I got my gold record. And for, personally, that was a highlight of my career. No royalties to go along with that? No. <laughs> Never even meet, met the fellow that wrote the song who recently passed yes. away. On the north side of Chicago, there's an organist, Gary Pressy, who's been around a while. Absolutely. You guys rivals at no, any point? No. In fact, I met Gary when I played... For some for a hockey team, a local hockey team, and he couldn't have been nicer and and more enthused. And he said, "Oh, if you ever need a fill-in," and I did, and he filled in for me at a couple of Bulls games. And then he used that as part of his resume when he got his uh, Wrigley Field job. And he's done a great job, and he's a great guy. Okay. So you played at Bulls games? I did. They don't do that anymore. Now everything's very orchestrated the way it is at a lot of baseball parks too, where everything. Is not live. That is correct. I don't know that there's live many live musicians anymore for basketball, and they went the way, the progressive way. And so my last year for the Bulls, who I'd played for for perhaps eight or nine years, was the year that um, Michael Jordan, the year before Michael Jordan joined the team. So I never was able. I never you were saw never part play. of all that. No, good all that stuff. excitement. They couldn't afford both of us. What was the organ at the uh, old kidding. Chicago Stadium like? Um, the, they brought in an electronic organ, very similar to the one I play at White Sox Park, and I had my own equipment, and I really do best on that, although I did also play for the Blackhawks, and I played the pipe organ for that, and that was an adjustment, because playing by ear, you're, you're used to hearing things the minute you play it, and there's a delay, so I had to get used to that. By the time I was used to the delay, I lost my job because I was also playing for the Minnesota North Stars, and I don't think that bode well with Mr. Wirtz. How, how could you travel back and forth? So They did. They flew me back and forth, and I'd spend the night and come back the next morning. Any games that did not conflict with Blackhawk games. They didn't have any organists in the Minneapolis-St. Paul? Well, certainly none as good as you. Well, actually, they sent me there to listen to organist to to select an organist and i did and they said well that's the same organist we've had but why don't we'll keep that organist and then you come you make the games you can that's how that developed and then they moved i played there a couple years and then they moved to um texas i believe so that was the end of that but it's been a marvelous career you know it took me a lot of places They, they need an, an organist at the Olympic Games, don't you think we should send you to London? I'd love it. But um, as far as, you know, the reason you say there's not many organists, well, it's because it's a dying trade. It's like uh, kids aren't interested in the instrument anymore. They might play a keyboard, and you might hear a keyboard. Can, we have these little portable keyboards. Mm-hmm, and that does, works. Does that translate to organ skills? I, I think you're hearing that at games. If you don't hear the real keyboard, you're hearing a sound bite of a keyboard doing charge, you know, just to keep the sound in the park, it's very unique to baseball. So, okay. Now, if people want to engage you, where do they contact you? My agent would be Elliot Harris. <laughs> <laughs> and I get 0% of that, too. <laughs> no, I th- I'm out there on the web under Nancy Faust at nancyfaust.com, I think. So you don't know? Not really, but I, I am. <laughs> you can find me and. N-A-N-C-Y-F-A-U-S-T. Thanks, Elliot. Yep. See ya. (laughs) Elementary spelling I was always fairly decent at. 
is there an athletic event that you wish you could have played at that you'd never had the chance to? Right now, I think what's what uh, I just lately I've been thinking what would appeal to me because I like the warm weather in the winter would probably to be to do a spring training session somewhere. Okay, Arizona or Florida? Either. It, it, <laughs> no. it doesn't. It doesn't matter as long no. as it's not ten yeah. below zero in Ex- Chicago. Yeah, I think that would be a fun thing. Okay. But um. Well. We'll have to make it out to uh, Geneva, Illinois, one of these Sundays when the Cougars are at home. Please do. It's to, a lot of fun. To listen to some live organ music. Yeah. They oh. really turned me loose. They let me play quite a bit there and okay. uh, really enjoyed it. That it's could a get dangerous place. if they turn you loose. but Great place for kids, too. There's a lot of fan interaction. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Nancy Faust, thank you very much for stopping by with your White Sox uh, 2005 championship ring. <laughs> You noticed. <laughs> yeah, a little bling. <laughs> and when we come back, uh, a ball player that you're slightly familiar with, Rocky Calavito. I was telling you that Rocky Calavito was the first ball player I ever heard of because my cousin was such a big fan of his. We had to go to a, my first and only ball game when I was about 12 years old on his birthday, which was August 10th, which he shared with my cousin. So. Well, we'll look forward to that. Say hello to Rocky. Certainly. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And we will be back.